Welcome to another Consider This Question. We're glad that you're here. And uh, today we're going to be having our conversation regarding American Idols. Uh, we're titling this one Part One. I'm in the studio today um, with Randy Butler and uh, Callie Scar. I almost, almost want to call you Kaylee sometimes. I have no idea why. But Callie Scar and uh, Morgan Weiss, actually. And so really glad that you ladies are uh, able to join us. Thank you for having us, Jim. Glad to be here. And Morgan just gave me a peace sign, which is cool. She's so peaceful. Um, you know, this this really kind of the genesis of this comes from a sermon that I preached a few weeks ago in which we were dealing with the text where Jesus tells us to love him more than anyone, more, more than our families. And it really says, unless you hate your father and your mother, you're not worthy of me. And uh, one of the concerns that I have and the leadership has, and I could even guarantee you, you I, I know each of you ladies enough and I know your love for the Lord, is that when we hear texts like that, um, I wonder how much we, even when we understand it properly, which isn't hate our parents or hate our children, it's not that. It's The word hate is almost always used in the Bible as a, a choice between two. But even when we get it right, it's still hard for us. And so a lot of times it's a matter of, Sure, I know Jesus tells me I'm supposed to choose him over my kids, but since I have no idea what that really looks like, or I can't really put a practical implication, when was the last time you had to go, okay, do I pick um, Landon or do I pick Jesus? I mean, it's 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 hardly ever that clear. Um, one of the things that I just felt compelled, I mean, I felt like it was the Spirit saying to me the entire time was, we've got to talk more about this. We've got to talk more honestly and openly about this because it is, it is fundamentally uh, a bad place to be in. When we say, I know Jesus says that, but I'm not going to deal with it. So what I want you ladies to talk about today, um, and I, I don't want it to be family. I think sometimes we can just believe that um, women of today, one of their biggest struggles would be family or one of their biggest struggles would be career. Truth is, Randy's different from Callie, who's different than Morgan. So I'd, I'd like for you to take it in any direction. This isn't called American Family. It's called American Idols. And so um, I'd love for you guys to just talk about uh, when you hear texts like that, when you hear the challenge um, for us to put Jesus first, what goes through your mind? How do you how do you process that? Where do you find yourself um, feeling convicted and making a difference, or where do you find yourself being convicted and not moving on, not changing anything, and then feeling convicted? So, Randy, yeah, I think for me, I have to start with the idea that there is a temptation to make something other than God my focus and my attention in every way and what is it that's controlling me so to take a step back when i hear texts like that and go oh what is it that's controlling me like is it the lord leading me or is it my kids that are overwhelming me and thus i feel overwhelmed and not at peace because i'm with the lord and what do i do with that is kind of where i have to begin the process okay so Kind of like that step one, admit maybe there could be a problem or admit there might be a temptation is yep. the word that you use. Yep. Callie, your thoughts? Well, recently we had um, something happen with some relatives of ours, distant relatives, and um, there's a child who has grown now. She's an adult, and she was raised in a Christian home, Christian strong Christian values, and she's chosen to, to not walk with Jesus as an adult. And so now there's this um, issue between mm. her and her parents and um, her and her mother got in a heated discussion recently, and uh, this was so convicting to me. Um, I was hearing about this story, and she said to her mother, I feel like you're putting God before me. And her mother got this look on her face like, well, yeah, I am. I always have. <laughs> How did you not know we would How did you here? not know that? Yeah. 
And, you know, that was super convicting to me because I thought, do my kids know that God comes first? And what is it that I'm showing them? Um, so for me, that was huge. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and yet we sometimes don't, you know. Right now, I mean, how old how old are uh, how old are, is David and Landon? David is seven, and Landon is five. Okay, Callie with blue and Brax and blue, they are seven and nine. Seven and nine, mm-hmm. and then Morgan has a fourteen, thirteen, fifteen, fifteen. Dang it! I have a fifteen-year-old son, <clears throat> and I I'm going to call him Q, just so everybody knows, because I don't want to get in trouble for saying his name or anything, because no. we are still in the adoption process. Sure. But, um, and let's see, he's 15. And I would say, like what Callie said, the biggest thing I think of, I think of two things whenever with your immediate question was this. Um, I think it gets harder as they get older, ironically. I don't know. I don't know if it gets harder because we haven't always been doing it since they were little. I think we probably have done it since uh, kind of idolize sometimes our kids or our families when they were little, it just becomes more apparent when they start making decisions that go against what God is saying. And now we actually have to like take some sort of stand and have some sort of boundaries and choose. And I think that when they're little, you don't necessarily have, you don't feel like you're having to choose. So there was that that came to my mind. And then the other one was this, like for me, you know, Jim, you said it's not just, you know, American families and American um, kids, but it's just anything that you struggle with. And I know I agree with what Randy's saying. What is it that's controlling me? What is it that's, that has my attention, you know? And for me, because I'm a, like a single mom, I I really, really, I, I struggle sometimes with being, with being alone and I really have a desire to be married. And, um, and I'm told those are good things and those are okay things, but those things can't control you. And it's the same, it's the same idea. I constantly have to go back to like, what is what is the point of me being here? Is it to be married or is it to love God? Is it to be married or is it to try to share the Lord with other people? Is it to be married or is it to advance the kingdom? You know, and if those things line up, great. And if those things don't, great. You know, so like I, I constantly have to shift my focus for that area and with and with my son. So that's kind of my thought, I guess. Yeah. Um, so what we're talking about here is, is has revolves around like identity, right? Like who am I? And on the one hand, I mean, this is the part that must be hard is that uh, Mother's Day happened recently, right? So we, and everybody talks about how awesome their moms are. And they are, I mean, for most of us, right? We have great moms. And so we're grateful for that. We want to say thank you for that. We will even use great hyperbole. No one has influenced me more than my mother. No one do I love more than my mom, you know? And so I think that kind of feeds this culture where, all of a sudden, we get wrapped up. These kids look at their moms, like that great story you just told, Callie, and they just go, wait a second. <laughs> you know, like I thought it was the center of your world, and now you're telling me that there's somebody else? And so it really goes back to that identity piece. And so, um, you know, we, we've, we've talked about the family piece, especially with, with kids. Are there any other, and here's, here's what I want us to remember, is that I'm not just talking to people. I'm not even just talking to women. I'm actually talking to Randy, Callie, and Morgan. And I love the individual struggles that we go through. And I, I just, when I look at Callie, I see different than Randy and I see different than Morgan. So what other idols that do you think come up? Morgan kind of listed a few of them. Are there any other ones that just kind of bubble to the surface of your life? Callie, anything that just comes up that really begins to mold and shape your identity, how you see yourself, um, kind of what causes your attention or your focus or your worries or your fears, um, kind of solicits, elicits them to rise? What, what, what are some of the other idols that you wrestle with? 
Well, I think from the moment we bring our kids home from the hospital, there seems to be, at least for me, this thought process of, I want my kids to have the things that I didn't have. And I want my kids to have the every experience that I didn't have, even material possessions. And we end up with all this baby paraphernalia everywhere that we know our moms didn't have, but yet we had to have it. <laughs> and it, and it goes through that with every stage of life. And, you know, for me personally, I'm dealing with that now as a, just a, a super, uh, this phase of life that I'm in right now, I've been super convicted about, um, our house becoming child-centered instead of Christ-centered and giving my kids every desire that they want because, you know, we want them to have those things. But yet if we're constantly putting our kids' wants and desires first, then they're going to put their wants and desires first. Yeah, They're watching what we do. And that's super convicting to me that, you know, um, not too long ago I came home and I told my daughter, I'm like, I have a surprise for you. And she was like, what? You know, she's super excited. And I was like, we're going to go out to dinner and you can pick. And then I'm going to take you to get your nails done. And you know what her response was? Is that it? (laughs) I created that. I did that. And it was, it's, you know, for me, it's been super convicting that, you know what? It's time that this family turns their, their, their focus outward to other things, to serving people and to, I've got to undo this thing that I've done. Yeah. You know, so that's what's going on in our world right now. And it's difficult to undo. Well, if it makes you feel any better, you're probably about eight years qu- quicker than I ever was because I know exactly what you're describing. And you do. You look at your kids as they get older. It does get more complicated as they get older um, for lots of different reasons. You begin to see. You don't see in a two-year-old, you know, what you created. But when they're eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, you're like, wow, this, this, I, I see where they got this from. You see your own traits come in. That's good. Randy, mm-hmm. anything? Yeah, I'm, I mean, first, parenting has brought up more idols than I ever imagined. Um, it has a way of exposing those things. For me, control's always been an issue. I, I like to trust myself more than I like to trust the Lord, honestly, yeah. in a lot of areas. Um, but we've been talking at our house quite a bit recently. We we were beginning to realize that, honestly, Sunnybrook had become an idol of sorts. Hey, 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 Okay. <laughs> Let's just let's we're just let's just add that, edit that in. our editor editor in chief Steve Broadway said we're not doing that. Okay, no, but yeah. explain that. No, yeah. I, I, I love that actually. I really yeah. do. So tell me what yeah. you tell me what you mean by that. Well, well, we spend a lot of time at Sunnybrook. We're here serving. We're here for classes. They're here on Wednesday nights for review. They're here on Sundays. They're serving in FX. Um, we're here all the time. Like this is a second home to them. Then they treat it like a second home. They come in and they find the candy drawers and they go to anyone's office and help themselves to anything. But when conflict arises, like they want to come here, like they want to be at the church. And I don't know that that's a bad thing that they want to, but what happens if something changes and we go somewhere else? Like their identity is being wrapped at Sunnybrook and not in the healthy, the church way, but Sunnybrook itself way. So there's certain people here and there's certain areas here that are theirs. Um, And And then so what happens? This is the good part, right? So what Callie is talking about, like what happens when all of a sudden we realize that our our kids aren't just grateful for what what they have, but there's this entitlement Mm -hmm. that it's built in. And what you're describing is, listen, as long as, as long as everything is moving well, then there really is nothing wrong. It's when it begins to fall apart that we all of a sudden realize, wow, I didn't build my life. I thought that was around Jesus, but it was really around Sunnybrook. It was around right. Steve and Callie's worship abilities. It was about Morgan's children's ministry is really what it right. was. It wasn't Jesus. It was what Morgan could provide for right. us. 
And, um, and, and you're right. I mean, that's when, when all of a sudden, when Jim fails the church, is, 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 is Randy and Casey going to be okay to go, oh, yeah, no, that was just Jim. Jim failed us. Jesus didn't fail us. Jim right. failed us. And we can just, we can still go to Sunnybrook and we can still, or we can go to another church and continue on because Jesus is, is our rock or is our center. And all of a sudden you find out, no, actually, we traded in Jesus for Sunnybrook. And that's not a, that's not a right, that's not a good trade. We don't want that. Right. Yeah, that's right. good. Yep. That's good. Anything else that you kind of? Those were kind of our big things. Okay. Morgan, anything you want to? Can you just restate the initial question? Yeah, well, okay. basically what I want to know is, like, tell me some other areas or some, you know, developing it a little bit further in terms of where the idolatry comes up. Because, you know, everybody is different. And so to try to think that women struggle with children and men struggle with jobs. Yeah, I know a lot of women that struggle with children or with jobs, and I know a lot of men that struggle with children in terms of making them their idols. So it's not about I don't want to be stereotypical. It's just in reality... Callie's Callie, Randy's Randy, Morgan's Morgan, and Steve is Steve. So what does Morgan wrestle with when she's coming to grips with the uh, with the idolatry? Where? Well, I kind of talked about it earlier with, like, you know, desiring a spouse and how that can become an idol for me if I'm not careful. And I, I sometimes I have to, like, constantly check myself on it because um, it'll become an idol and I have to be reined back in and refocused. Um, my... Basically, what I, I do is it looks like it looks like that. That's a big one. Um, and then it looks it it looked like and it's changed in a good way <clears throat> over the past two years, especially. But it looked like a fear that I had that um, Q, my son, wouldn't follow Jesus. And so I would play through these scenarios of because we're in the process of adoption of like, what if he's not with me <clears throat> in two years and somehow I'm responsible for his salvation or something um, crazy, you know? And so I would kind of play through all these scenarios or what if he turns 18 and he, you know, leaves and, and becomes some, you know, and I went to extreme, like, you know, like kills people and goes to jail and hates the Lord. And I go to these extremes, but, um, but there are real fears I had. And it was so consuming instead of kind of what, um, what uh, I can't remember if it was Callie or Randy that was saying it, but I think it was Randy actually that said instead of like being, feeling so overwhelmed that you weren't, you lost peace in the Lord because you were so overwhelmed by a, by a potential fear that your child is causing you by the way they're acting and behaving. So that's, that's one. And then for me, like a helpful thing has been my, my family follows Jesus um, for, I don't know, a couple generations back. And um, my papa, one of the things that he had always said is kind of like the goal for his family was, and, and for his life, is he would kind of, his thing that he would say to everyone over and over is, more than anything else in this world, I would that you love my Jesus. And I, you know, okay, I got it tattooed on my foot. It doesn't, there's nothing special about that. But it is kind of like something I constantly have in my mind because I want that to be my goal too. And I meet with someone every Wednesday morning who reminds me of that goal. And so if I am breaking down and if I'm having a hard time, this awesome woman of the Lord will just look at me and say, hey, hey, Morgan, remind me of what you're, why you got that thing like carved into your skin, you know? And I'm like, well, this is what it says, where it comes from. This is what my goal is. And she says, is, is that true right now? That's how she'll ask me. Is that statement true right now that more than anything else in the world, you 
you want people to love your to love your Jesus. And most of the time it's not. Most of the time it's it's like a selfish hurting and longing that I somehow think can be met by things outside of Jesus. And I have to remember that everything is actually meant in him. So um, that's kind of what it is for me. I want, I want to point out one thing, and we may take it somewhere. It might be it's just a point I need to make. Is it usually when like the strong emotions come up, I found myself afraid. Um, I found myself very angry. Um, I found myself completely overwhelmed. That's usually a sign that whatever's going on, there's an idolatry behind that. You know, and so when we find ourselves brought to the brink of whatever it is, the exaggerated emotional response is usually a sign there's something happening behind there, um, either a lie that we believe. Um, man, I'm just I'm so afraid. And Morgan, you talked about just wanting to be married, which is a normal response. It's the and if I don't, I think I might die. That's what points it out. Not, I wish I were married. It's the, and if I don't, I think I'm going to die. Yeah. It's nothing could be worse. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's so, like dying and being with Jesus single is somehow like less than. an awful thing to happen instead of like, no, dying and being with Jesus is being with Jesus. You know? Well, and what <laughs> happens is, is that we think about this, we create like a version of heaven and a version of hell. So Morgan's version of heaven becomes married. And her version of hell has become single. Mm-hmm. So instead of it being about Jesus, so when with our kids, if our kids aren't going to be happy, that's our version of hell. They're not happy. Mm-hmm. And our ver- if our kids are happy, then that's heaven. And that's, so in, in the end, when we are kind of wrestling with these things, it's because we're being dragged down, you know, these uh, these these roads, these, uh, we're, we're on a path that we don't want to be on because it just sounds like, I don't know if we'll ever recover from that. You know, and I remember, I mean, I would, <laughs> we've, I've always thought, I don't know if I have an idolatry of family because for whatever reason, um, I, I don't want to even go into that. But uh, I remember when um, one of my sons left for college and it was sad and I came home and I sat on his bed and I lost it. Like I just wept and wept, which is, which by the way, normal. Okay. I even cried when I dropped him off. I had in me like a sense of like, I'll never get better. It, and I had never experienced that before. It was like a sadness that I could not perceive going away. Um, and it scared me. Like it really scared me. I thought, wow. Um, and it was a little bit like I can't go back. Like it's done. And so I can't undo this. And I remember thinking, I don't think I'll ever be happy again. Now, like most of my things in my life, I felt it for almost four minutes. And then I went on with my life. But, so, but, but still, I mean, I, it, was, it was very interesting how at that moment, I mean, it was, it was raw fear. that was, And it was. I mean, there was a version of heaven which was now gone, which was me and my wife with three little boys. And that was heaven for me for a long time. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And so now as we get ready to say goodbye to our, um, to our third, uh, our third and kind of last son, not last because we've brought another young boy into our lives. But uh, but it's really interesting how I'm trying to make sure this time that I'm healthier in terms of what the process looks like. That I do remember these are gifts from God, and they're kind of moving forward. You know, Kelly, you made a comment, and I want to go back and I want to address this a little bit. You made the statement, I want to make sure my home is not kid centered, but is actually Christ centered. Okay. Now here, this is where it gets interesting. What does that even mean? You know, because that's the million, isn't that it? I mean, and I'm not saying I don't understand why you don't get that. I'm going, I'd like for you to tell me so I could do that as well. It sounds like such a grandiose, um, not real practical. It's like you're going to say your house is Christ-centered, but if I were to say explain that, you'd go, well, you know, 
we have a cross when you walk in the front door that says, remember the cross. <laughs> okay. And so, I, 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 and by the way, I'm not even telling you to have to, or that you have to have the answer. What does that yeah. mean? Like, how are you processing that? Well, I could more uh, easily describe what not to do, probably. <laughs> sure. But we see a lot of like uh, child-centered homes. And, uh, and I'll say, you know, uh, Matt and I do marriage mentoring. So this is something we'll, we'll interact with uh, couples a lot. And you wouldn't believe um, the people that we've come across who, um, you know, well, for instance, we have some close friends who they're married. They have a two-year-old. Never been on a date since their kid came home from the hospital. Hmm. Not even once. They're teaching that child that their world is revolving around him instead of, you know, actually taking time for themselves. And, you know, Matt and I believe strongly, we've always been good about this, is that um, our marriage comes first. You know, the kids are going to go someday and we got to still be in love. So we are going to leave like mine did. They're going to leave. Yeah. Right. And and they need to know that uh, that our marriage comes first, and that there are going to be times where we leave them for a week and we go off on vacation together because mommy and daddy need that time. And um, but I, you wouldn't believe some of the people that won't do that. Yeah. They will not do that because they don't want to leave their kids. Um, so I also think that um, again, a super convicting thing that's going on with me right now is the the uh, overindulgence on birthdays and Christmas and. I had a friend a couple years ago who she threw a birthday party for her daughter, but she said, um, I want everybody to bring a gift, but we're going to give it away. It's not for my daughter. We're going to give it away. And I thought, well, that's mean. <laughs> I can't believe she's doing that. That's abuse. That's abusive. Like, I would never do that. Sure. And now my mind shift is changing. Like, wait a second. Like, that is what it should be about. We should be teaching our kids what it means to serve others. And I don't think it means we love them less. It actually means we love them more. Sure. And we want to teach them to be kingdom-minded and what that looks like. So now, let me let me point this out because yeah. I want to use that as an example. So let's 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 really think. What Callie just said was so blue. Who and I know how much she loves her, and she's a cute kid. Um, she's saying that we can either have a bunch of people come over and buy blue presents, or I can teach blue to value taking these gifts or whatever and giving them to somebody else. Okay. Which one is better for blues? Because we're talking, we have at the very foundation here. I would that you would love my Jesus. So which one makes blue a better, not just human, but I mean, like a better follower of Christ. And it's a no brainer, right? Which by the way, Callie's not saying, I mean, I don't think you're saying never buy your kids another present, never have a birthday party where they get something, but you're saying we're out of whack. You know, and, and actually, which, think about this, you know, which one helps blue more? And it's, it, you, when we stop and we just kind of think for a second, it's a no-brainer, right? Well, and I'll say too, it's especially been difficult for me because my my primary love language is gifts. And so that it hurts, it like almost physically hurts to do that. Yeah. Um. Another, and this might be kind of taking it a little bit of a different direction, but it's still... I think really relevant is um, Braxton, my son. He's nine years old. He's been saving his allowance for months for these shoes that he wanted. Just saving, 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 counting his dollars. And la this just happened a week ago. Last week, um, he knew that if he had finished all of his chores, he would get his allowance and he was going to finally have the money for these shoes that he wanted. So the allowance day came. I handed out his allowance. And he was like, yes, I have the money. I'm so excited. So he brings down his cash and hands it to me because he wants me to order them online. 
So I go through and I count the money and he was $1 short, $1 short. And the old me, probably a few months ago before God started working with me on this, I would have just given him a dollar, but I didn't. I said, I'm sorry, son, you're a dollar short. And he just was devastated. <laughs> and I know I could have reached in my pocket sure. and given, it wouldn't have hurt me. But I was like, I'm sorry, son. I didn't offer any, you know, solutions. I had to literally go back to my bedroom and shut the door. And my husband had to come back there. He's like, you're doing great. Hang in there. Hang in there. And it was, it hurt me because, but I know that I have to teach him that value Mm -hmm. of working hard. And I'm not doing him any favors if I hand him a dollar. When he's 16, his car is going to be repossessed and it's going to be my fault, (laughs) you know? So it, it was, it was hurtful. It was hard, but. We are going to teach Christ values first. Yeah. And so these are some of the changes that were that are happening in our house right now. You know, one of the things that one of the things I just want to point out is is there's Callie telling a real story with a real husband named Matt and a real son named Braxton. And I, I can imagine her coming back five years from now and telling a different story where her and Matt decided to show Braxton the grace of God and he was $500 short on his car and they decided to show, Hey, you know what? Just like God gave us more than we could have ever. I mean, you're not saying you're not even opposed to that. You're saying it's about intentionality. And that's what I, instead of you who are listening to this podcast, going away and trying to mimic or mirror exactly that, like hear what Callie is saying is I want my daughter to have a greater understanding of who Jesus is. I want Braxton in this moment to have a greater understanding of what life is about, or I want whatever. So it's the intentionality. I mean, you you could play that same script and go in two or three different directions, and it's how you underline it that I that is, you know, I'm thinking right now about stuff I can go home and still do with my kids. It's that kind of intentionality, Callie, that just is encouraging for me to hear. And, And here is the intentionality piece. It's it's in those moments. Do you think through, oh, I just feel yucky, so I'm going to give him a dollar or I feel yucky, but I want him to understand how to use money and how to earn money. Or are you thinking, how do I help him become more like Jesus? Like those are two different intentions, you know? And so even like what Callie's saying, when she's talking about teaching Christ like morals and things like that. um, Yeah. And and we have to we have to constantly underline those with. And this is why we do that. If we look at scripture, here is who Jesus is. Our goal is to become more and more like him, to give him more and more of ourselves. We've decided that we follow him. I feel like I say that to Q 50 times a day. And um, and it sometimes, I, I feel like most of the time, I get kind of an eye roll. Like, ah, she's saying this again. Ah. <laughs> but I just need him to know. Like, So when you grow up, if you don't choose to follow Jesus, like this is what I'm doing. And so like, I, I want you to understand it. I don't want it to be, I don't want you to look at me and say, what? That's what we're doing, right? Like, like how you told the story earlier. I want it to be very clear that I love you so much. We are following Jesus because I am your boss. And someday I'm not going to be your boss anymore. And you're going to decide that for yourself. I think another thing that I hear a lot and my parents did this a lot, um, was that as situations arose with their friends that they have, they would talk about them and say, what do we do in that situation? If that happens to us, what do we do in that situation? So if thinking, my 30 year old, if my 30 year old kid cheats on his wife and is unrepentant, what do we do in that situation as his parents? Does he come to Christmas? 
do we still have holiday? Do I do I call him to repent or do I just kind of pretend like it's not happening? Do I side with the spouse? What do I the other spouse? What do I do? And they've talked through situation after situation after situation because I think almost um, kind of in preparation, but more in preparing their hearts for like if our child chooses to not follow the Lord, we have to be willing to let them go. And it's more it's less about a specific situation and it's more about that idea of I have to be willing to do that and that would be so hard because that's that's what it comes down to is I think when we think about what we want you know for our kids to be happy well our idea of heaven I think as as at least for me as a mom (laughs) is you know uh so uh Q follows Jesus comes home at Christmas comes home at Easter or comes home at Thanksgiving sometime, comes to visit. Uh, we keep in contact. We love our, our family grows and extends and, and there are brothers and sisters and, and cousins and, and we all still get together. We all follow Jesus together. And chances are like that's not going to happen <laughs> with everyone in our body and <laughs> our body here at Sunnybrook. There's going to be a lot of kids who don't do that. But at least I want them at the very least, I want him to know here. I give you Jesus. And then you get to choose. Do you want him or not? You know, and I can, when you say, when you say yes, I can rejoice and praise God that that is a gift from him. And when you say no, I can grieve because he's not with the Lord, you know, but either way, like I cannot, I can't like just fluctuate my faith to like going there. I don't even know how to really explain that. I just can't. I can't start, I can't leave because, you know, he's somehow attached to me, you know, I don't know. Tell me, tell me, right now we've been talking a lot about successes. Any failures? Like any, any times, and I don't know if I need need like an illustration per se, but, you know, one of my, one of my cautions is, and and this is what's, I've been soliciting people uh, from the stage actually, who would like to come and do this? And I haven't had a lot of people go, Yes, I would like to share my struggles in the podcast. They haven't, right? And I can understand that. Um, I think part of the problem is is because I don't think some people want to be honest, you know? Like, I'm, I'm even not surprised that when I went after Randy and when I went after you, Callie, that I thought you might want to to share this. Um, and and yet, I, I, know, I know all three of you well enough to know there are struggles and there are failures. Um, how do we make sure that those listening realize that uh, that the, in the midst of the failures that there is even either still hope. How do we how do we process it? I guess my biggest concern is that people are just going to be content with the failure and just go ah you know what what you guys are describing is the ideal and I'm never going to actually do that. But I'm glad that works for you. And so how can we kind of paint a picture of what this struggle looks like that um, would encourage people? that even when it's not working, stay in it. Any thoughts? Actually, I think about a conversation I had with your wife and yourself. Um, it's been a couple of years ago. I'm assuming you remember we were having oh, yeah. some troubles <laughs> with David, um, which turned out to not be troubles with David. It was actually probably more me than anything. He is got this huge personality in every way. Amen. For big personality. <laughs> so we thought we would bring Jim and Andrian who know about big personalities and how to to help him and help me because I felt like I was going 
crazy. <laughs> I mean, I was just miserable. I was just crazy. It was overwhelming in every way. And so I thought I would come in and you guys would sit down and have dinner and I'd have all these practical tips all listed out on how we could help David with this massive personality, how to kind of tone that down. Um, and then we ended with me thinking you were crazy. Like that's where it ended. Because it was a great conversation about, no, you've got to learn how to embrace some of this. Like this is how God has wired him and you're going to have to let go and let God be the one that's working and let God be the one that grows David in those things. Because he's not going to always be that. Yeah. Like he's going to have a big personality. That's how God made him. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. And how yeah. do you embrace that beautiful thing? And it took a lot of repenting and a lot of working with the Lord for many months. I mean, I think I emailed you maybe a year later going, I can't, I've, I'm beginning, to, I'm see beginning <laughs> to see what you were talking about. Um, but it took a lot more conversations and it took a lot more layers and um, more meetings with girlfriends going, okay, is this just me? Like, okay, how come I, I wasn't seeing this? How do I see this differently next time? Yeah. And it was brutal. The whole year was brutal. But now being on the other side of that, not that I don't struggle still with that because David still has a massive personality but I'm growing to love that part of him more and more yeah. and able to let go of um, what I thought it needed to look like. See, and that's where let's, let's point this out. That wasn't, it was a parenting tip, but it's actually a putting Jesus first tip. Honestly, if you think through what Randy said was, this was my view of how family should be. So I'm going to relate to my son like this and my son's going to adapt and become like this to me for me. And all of a sudden, she's now got this kid that's different than she expected. Now what do you do? And so many of us as parents, and it's not the kind of conformity where we're called to be parents and to help them grow in the image of Jesus and become disciplined and all that. It's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, I didn't think my kid would do X, or I didn't think my kid would have this personality flaw, mm -hmm. okay? Not sin, mm -hmm. but a personality flaw, like being an introvert. Get it? <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I just I remember looking at my kids and I'm going, okay, like this isn't the this isn't like these people here, my my kids, like, they're not like my friends. They're they're uh, they're different than the people I want to you know usually hang around. And that's scary as a parent. Going, okay, like what? How how do I get them to be more like I want them to be? That's idolatry. Like that's that's where it begins to come out. I'm not going to be happy unless my son or my daughter begins to act and respond the way that I want. And how do we, in those moments, begin to trust Jesus? So that's the part I want you to hear what Randy was saying. She's not just, this is a parenting tip. This is an, this is an idolatry issue. I'm not, I remember when my kids, I began to realize just how morally flawed they were. And God looked at me in the face and said, are you okay with this? Like, are you going to fall apart on me? And I'm like, yes, you know I'm going to fall apart. I'm, I, didn't, I didn't plan for this. And God's like, I know you didn't plan for this. But do you think I didn't plan for this? And I saw my kids for the first time through God's eyes. And I realized, wow, like, it's not just that I love them and it's okay if they sin. It's not that. But that God's grace is still the greatest thing in the room. And it kind of forced me to deal with that. So whether it's a personality issue or a flaw, the, the parents, even in our marriages, what happens when our spouse disappoints us? I fall apart. I think I'm going to die. Okay. You know, that's, that's, that's idolatry right there. So that's a great point. I think whenever, <clears throat> for me, some of the ugly stuff is just that my kid is very sinful. 
And so I, it's like I don't want people to know that about him. It's like I only want to say the good things. I know people kind of cliche that that's and what, say. No, wait, that's what Facebook is for. Right. That's what I was going to say. I, I want, that's what I want, people do, right? If you're going to be on My Facebook. My son is so sweet. Yes. And Take a um, picture of your son, you know. He made me an anniversary dinner for my, me and my husband. And, and here's then his he, jailbird's photo. Yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> so like here's, that's what it is. Okay. So, but I think even, even like when I see him, uh, it's like, I want to, you know, it's like, I never want to shame him publicly or I never, it's like, I want to like, I'm, I went inside. I'm thinking if no one was around, I would get a handle on this, but people are around. So I'm going to wait kind of, and, and then sometimes there's wisdom in that. And sometimes I'm being a coward and, and it's like pulling, you know, I want to pull you aside or I, I don't want people to ever think that he's entitled or selfish or whatever, but I see spurts of that all the time. And, and it makes me, and I give into it all the time. I can't tell you how many times he has been so utterly disrespectful to me as an authority, per, as someone that's had the authority over his life. And I have let it go. And it's like, either I'm tired. We don't have time for this. I got to go. We got to do something different. And, or it's like, I just want to have a day when it's like just good and we don't have this. So I'm just going to pretend like it's not happening. I, it's just, you know, it's a dis, typically it's disrespect, uh, issues with authority. It's, uh, definitely entitlement what you're talking about i'm gonna do a special thing for you oh is that it and you just want to like like uh and it's uh what else what else does he do there's tons of sin basically and it just makes me feel so yuck and then i i feel worse whenever i whenever i fail and i feel like i fail at least three times a day probably uh, with him and I think that is something that's hard for me as a parent is I feel oftentimes as a failure like a failure as a parent because I do I, I do have this I really do I have this desire for him to love the Lord and it's what you're talking about there it's so stinking hard so what's so let, here's what I want to make sure we stay on track on so then what's the idolatry in that right because this is probably a common thing right I, mean, I think the idolatry for me is that I I don't in those moments, like to try to, because I just want our, mine and his relationship to be good, I let things go to try to repair them instead of going, no, this is wrong. Like what you're doing is sinful and wrong and, I, you know, and, and, and addressing the issue. And it's not that you never let it go. Sure. That's not what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's that I'm afraid he, de- he won't know what grace is and he won't know what, because it's all just, a, it's a given you know, and he doesn't know what uh, or what humility is or what um, it's not like I need him to. Yeah. He does. He like to work. No, not at all. To get him to do anything is really hard to do. Um, but it's not just for the sake of doing work. It's I want him to to work because I want him to understand that, like. Jesus came to this world. I mean, I don't even know how to make this connection. Jesus came to this world. He washed the feet of his disciples. He you know, he was ridiculed and beat and mocked and, and then he died on a cross for us and you can't get out of bed. You know, like these are the thoughts that go through my head and then it's like, but I got to go to work. So, uh, okay. So I'm just going to go to work now. Yeah. You know, and, and makes- I feel like that happens all the time. And so one thing that happened that helps me is I have learned that all those feelings are things I don't tell people very often. And so I've learned to open up 
with people about that, especially for me, it was my, it's my mom. And I, I tell her when I'm feeling like a failure as a parent and she's done so good at helping come alongside me to be strong and also about like letting me know that you're doing okay, you know, and you're, you're a good mom and this is why. And so helping them both ways with encouragement and with come alongside, let's do better. So, so. so what it is, is it's just trusting Jesus. I mean, which what Morgan is describing there and where I think where the idolatry hits is, is that I, my idolatry is I have to be, I have to be the friend of my kids and my kids have to like me. I mean, I've had to discipline my boys and you know, they're older. So the discipline has been pretty hard and I'm just walking away going, but I want them to like me. I really want them to like me. And the question is, but do I trust Jesus? with the discipline, right? And that's that's the that's the part where it's like, well, no, I really don't trust what Jesus said about the sin. What I really trust is the fact that I think they like me. And I'm going to trade trusting the truth cuz you know, that's I mean, I don't spank my kids, right? So it's um it's do I trust the truth about saying to my son, you need to know this about yourself and you need to know that this is why this is going on and here's where your heart is broken and here's where you need to trust in God and these are going to be the consequences of what you've done. And they're looking at me, kind of half getting it, but then my kids go real silent on me and so for a verbal processor, it freaks me out. It's like the world is ending and I have had to realize that as much as I want to pretend I don't have an idolatry of family because I don't have to be with them all the time and I'm great on taking my wife on vacations and, you know, I'm great on that. So I go, I don't have an idolatry of kids. Yeah, but when you're 18-year-old and you kind of get into an argument and he's allowed to just walk out the door and then you begin to, like, fall apart a little bit inside, that's that's a sign that there's something going on inside of us. So any final thoughts, guys? I mean, who knows? I wouldn't be surprised. This has been great. Wouldn't be surprised that by the time we're done, um, we may need to call you back for some stuff. But any other any other final thoughts? I've loved some of the things that you guys have been have been sharing. Kelly? You know, one of the things that, um, you know, with this, I described it in the beginning, relatives of ours where we watched the adult child follow a different path. She didn't follow Jesus. The parents did everything right. I mean, they, they raised yeah. her in this. And one thing that I think is important to kind of throw out there is that a lot of Christians take that scripture, and I couldn't even tell you the reference, but the one that says, raise your children, the way that they will go. and when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. That's not what that means. <laughs> and you can articulate that better, but, um, but what I'm saying is you can do everything right, and they may still take a different path. And that doesn't mean that you should be okay with it, but that means you don't need to carry that guilt and the weight of sure. that that you've got to essentially put that down and let God have the control. And that that's a big one for me. And you know, and, and that's, I'm not there yet because I, I watch <laughs> this other, this other family that's distant relatives. And I think, what if my kid does that? I'm going to die. Like, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I can lay that down and, and let God have control over the situation. But I just think that's important to throw that out there. Well, one of my favorite analogies for this is a couple of years ago when I was teaching the prodigal God, I realized that if God is the story, if God is the father in that story, he's a terrible dad, right? I mean, how many prodigals does God have? Like all of us. So when you think about it, right, is it God's fault? No. So I I remind myself of that. And again, that doesn't make every parenting decision I've ever done perfect and it's all my kid's fault. But there are times in which I like how you said that. Uh, It's not the kid. It's, It's not the parent's fault. They've done everything that they could have done. And we're not called to be perfect parents. And sometimes it still doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Randy? 
Final thoughts? Yeah, as we've been talking, I've been thinking about what I sacrifice for. Like, what do I sacrifice my time and my money and my energy for? Um, Is it for the kingdom or is it for my kids or my spouse or my friends? When do I bend over backwards and what for? Because I was thinking as you were talking about crying on your bed at the 18-year-old, I remember shortly after, let's see, Landon would have been a year old making David three and a half-ish. Um, felt like God was calling me to go on a mission trip again. And I hadn't been on one for a couple of years and I got on the plane and it was just, I mean, I I thought my heart was going to break. Like it was so hard to leave them. Um, even when I knew that was what I was supposed to do, like the sacrifice of they were so little and what if this plane crashes and you know, they're just so young still for me to go. And I'd like to say it's gotten easier, but really, I mean, I go on a trip at least once a year and it's still the same like gut-wrenching, like I I need to sacrifice this time and this money and this energy for this, but it is so hard. Thank you. I mean, honestly, I mean, that's great. I don't know what I can say. I mean, so often we want, and and God will give you peace. And and by the way, Randy, if if you feel so bad about that, you shouldn't go. Mm -hmm. Oh, I definitely had that conversation. Sure, but I'll tell you, that's nuts. (laughs) Right. That is nuts. You can't explain Jesus in the garden getting to the cross if only peace um, when you're wrestling with a decision is the path that God has for someone who's in his will. So um, I love that. And it doesn't mean, yeah, let, let me, let me just, let me wrap up with this. I, I think I, ne- I need you to really think through what Morgan and Callie and Randy have been sharing with us and don't, their examples are wonderful. Don't get trapped in trying to mimic them. Think through and pray through and submit yourself to the, the 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 process that they were going through as to why they plan birthday parties the way that they do or go on mission trips or confront their son or whatever it might be. I need you to think through how they got there because like in so many areas of life, it can it can go in one or two or three different ways. So when I have people ask me questions, I've got a friend who's um, you know, who's, uh, who's, who's, ma- who's getting married and, and he's a lesbian or she's a, she's a lesbian. Um, can I go to the, to the wedding? And it's funny. I mean, my answer would be, it depends on so many different things. Everybody has like a yes or no answer. Um, so I have a yes or no answer in terms of like sexual ethics. That, that, that becomes a yes and a no. But how we respond to people, how we respond in real situations is a different dynamic. How we respond to a child who is a dollar short and how we respond to a son who is uh, kind of fraught with uh, entitlement could go a number of different ways. And so be very careful listening to these three women share their story and go, oh, I should do exactly that. Uh, it's, it's really not that simple. You need to do what they did, which is um, be convicted by the Holy Spirit, repent of, uh, change your mind about where you're getting it wrong, submit to where you believe God is leading you, and then experience the joy from there on out. Listen, um, you have no idea how much I appreciate the three of you, how much I love your honesty and um I believe this is going to be a real blessing to our people. And uh, you guys, it's so great. Don't be surprised I ask you back. So 